This is Red Sox Review, and it starts right now. Here's your host, Joe Weil. Everybody up at the Rogers Center. Two down in the ninth. Two balls, two strikes to Yoshida. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him. He blew him away with a fastball, and the Blue Jays shut out the Red Sox. 3-0 in the opener. Big win for the Blue Jays' playoff aspirations. Red Sox muster just five hits against Barrios, Hicks, and Romano. A big swing from Vladdy Guerrero Jr. The difference in this one on a night that otherwise Brian Bayo was very, very good. Jays take the opener. Three set. Well, it's official. The Red Sox are a 500 baseball team. They fall three to nothing tonight against the Toronto Blue Jays. They're now 74 and 74 overall. A tough night for the offense for the Red Sox at Rod- at the Rogers Center uh, with just five hits, three extra base hits, but they couldn't get anything going against Jose Barrios, who tossed seven shutout innings. The bullpen for the Blue Jays ends up doing their part as part of the shutout. It's the seventh time this season that the Red Sox have been shut out. They're now 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They've lost 13 of 18. And as I mentioned, they are now at 500 at 74 and 74. First time they've been at 500 since July 1st. Joe Weil with you here on Red Sox Review. We're going to take you up to 11 p.m. If you want to get your calls in, 617-779-7937. Again, 617-779-7937. Chime in about what you're feeling about this team. 14 games left. Have you lost hope about how they're going to finish, if they're going to be below 500, and then on top of that, what uh, you're feeling about yesterday's news still. There's still a lot to process with the Bloom news and the fact that he is, uh, the Red Sox parted ways with him, and that the Bloom era is over, and obviously this is the team that he he left, uh, whomever is taking over next with, and they are down the stretch, really crumbling, and offensively tonight, that was the big issue, right? That they couldn't do anything against the Blue Jays, just five hits. Uh, but you have a guy in Brian Bayo who is really good outside of one mistake to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he's the only guy right now that you can rely upon, rely upon to give you innings because he's been the only guy that has been able to provide innings consistently. He tosses six innings tonight. He was really good. The final line won't tell the full story. Obviously, the 10 strikeouts helped tell that story, and the fact that his strikeout stuff was phenomenal. That's a career high for him, those 10 strikeouts. He gives up the home run to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, belt-high-ish fastball that he drills out to left center field, and that has hurt him at times this season. That forcing fastball, when it's not elevated, it's been hit a lot, and over his last 10 starts, he'd given up nine home runs, ERA at four and a half in those last 10 outings. Before that, he had this 13th start stretch going from late April into July, and his ERA 2.52 in that stretch, he'd only given up eight home runs in 13 starts, but over the last 10 coming into tonight, nine home runs in those 10, and he gives up a big blow to Vladdy Jr. Listen, the Red Sox offense didn't wake up tonight. They were they were in a coma the entire night because they just they couldn't they couldn't at any point do anything against the Blue Jays outside of a couple of extra base hits. Credit Justin Turner, he had a pair of doubles in this game going two for four. But the Red Sox are in a free fall to be a below five hundred team, which is why the 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 ownership for the Red Sox ended up making this decision 
with Bloom to part ways, seeing where this roster had been heading really since the trade deadline when they did not add. I, I have a lot to talk about because there were more great pieces from the local writers uh, about the situation that came out today that I want to highlight their work and also uh, expound upon it as well with some of the new details that have emerged from uh, where Red, the Red Sox were coming from in parting ways with Heim Bloom and uh, where this team is heading really since they had an opportunity to add. And you can still make the argument that the names that were out there maybe wouldn't have made a difference with this team. But that being said, I still think it, it speaks to what's happened under the Heimblum regime and not being aggressive enough at times, despite setting this team up well for the future with their young pieces. One of those pieces actually was not in the lineup tonight as well. Tristan Casas, uh, he was out with a sore right shoulder. He was scratched late from the lineup. He was in the lineup initially and uh, then ended up getting taken out. And hopefully it's just a uh, just a day-to-day thing. It seems like that is the case. Maybe we'll hear from Alex Cora more on that in a little bit. And speaking of the Red Sox manager, let's now hear from him and what he had to say after a 3 nothing loss to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he, he was good. Uh, that pitch to Vladdy, it was a four-seamer, middle-middle. He put a good swing on it, but overall, you know, uh, gave, us, gave us six, a uh, quality start, and gave us a chance to, to win the game. Yeah, how much is that kind of part of the development that you spoke about being able to bear down and continue forward? Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it throughout the season. Um, tough first innings, and then he's gone seven and eight innings, right? Uh, he did it in Anaheim. And, and throughout the season, he's been the mo- our most consistent starter. You know, um, and not too many people are talking about him uh, throughout the league, but when you look up the innings and the W's and, and you know, the ERA and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's been a solid season for him. It was a close pitch, I guess, you know, but uh, I think if he wants, you know, he can't he can take it back, right? But that, that, fir- that first pitch of Laddie, you know, I bet, you know, if he had to do it again, he'd go somewhere else. Do you think the walk kind of leads to the uh, You got to talk to him. You know, I don't think so. I think he made some quality pitches with Fichette. It just, you know, he ended up with the walk. And the other one, you know, probably, you know, he didn't want to throw it down the middle. Probably the, the intent was fastball away. And just stay in the middle of the plate, and Vladdy put a good swing on it. This, this version of Ben is pretty good. Do you think there's an even higher level he can get? No, he's going to keep getting better. Yeah. Um, very similar to their guy, right? Uh, we saw Barrios early in his career uh, with the Twins, kind of like uh, struggling to get to five, struggling to get to six, and, you know, that's probably the best I've seen him about throughout the years, you know, forcing him or sinker, breaking ball, didn't use his changeup, you know. Um, he was pretty good today, stuff-wise, and... Uh, you know, Jose was a kid when he got with the Twins, and now he's one of the dudes over there with the Jays. So hopefully we can keep working with uh, Brian, keep making him better, um, attack the rest of the season the right way, and then you know, do, do sort of things in the offseason will be ready for next year. you feel like you guys were a little worn out today after yesterday? I think he, he worn us out. He was good. He was really good. Stuff-wise, really good. Like I said, I mean, the sinker was good. Uh, he, he's been working, you know, we saw it, you know, that front door sinker to lefties. He was able to elevate with the four-seamer. He went away from the changeup, which I think we, we did some damage throughout the season with him, and he was able to land the breaking ball. So he, he was really good today. All right, so that was Alex Cora talking after the Red Sox 3 nothing loss to the Toronto Blue Jays. You can hear it in his voice how tough this stretch has been 
uh, for him. The fact that this team is at 500, at 74 and 74. And I just want to amend one thing I said earlier. I said the last time that they were at 500 was on July 1st. It was actually July 4th after their game against the Texas Rangers that they lost. They were 43 and 43. And listen, this was a Red Sox team that really after that was playing some good baseball. And and in July, they look like a team that at least was primed in a sense to make a run at the playoffs. Not that they would make it, but at least make it competitive down the stretch. That's not the case right now. They are eight games out of the third wild card spot that's held by the Mariners. Could be eight and a half if the Mariners win tonight against the Blue uh, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Could still be seven and a half. It really doesn't matter. There's just 14 games left in the season. It's not going to happen for the Red Sox, despite their mathematically still being a chance for this team to make the playoffs. But offensively, nothing done tonight. They waste a great Brian Bayo start. Credit Chris Murphy in the bullpen to two shutout innings. He struck out the side in the seventh inning. So the Red Sox with 13 strikeouts tonight. That is five off of a team high this season, in which they had 18 in a game this year. Again, if you want to get your calls in, 617-779-7937. Joe Weil with you here on Red Sox Review. We're going to take you up to 11 o'clock. Still a lot to dissect, not only about tonight, but also about the greater picture of this team, the macro perspective, and also uh, the news yesterday about Heimblum uh, being let go by the Red Sox and some news that came out today from some of the beat reporters uh, for this Red Sox team, Alex Spear and uh, Chris Cotillo. They both put out some really good articles uh, about the situation today. Uh, we, we hit on Brad Foe's article yesterday that had some really interesting details about a possible deal last year where Chris Sale could have been traded to another team and they would have taken on all the money and then Heimblum uh, just didn't like the players that he'd be getting back and the deal was ultimately nixed. So th- th- there's still a lot to talk about. And, of course, there's still positivity uh, about what's ahead for the Red Sox. And I know it's hard to say that right now and think that because of the way this team is playing, having lost eight of their last ten games. But, hey, listen, Brian Bayo was, was good tonight. And, actually, he was more than good. He was, he was pretty good, right? You look at the final line, I, it's hard to say great when you give up three runs in six innings, but he, outside of that home run given up to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., was 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 really dealing. He actually got into a groove right after that in which he was nearly unhittable. He only gave up two hits the rest of the way. And uh, if my math is correct, he also struck out seven after that home run given up to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as well. Joe Wow looking pretty smart after last night's conversation with Glenn about Brian Bayo being a top-of-the-rotation guy versus a middle-to-back-of-the-rotation guy. Listen, I, I will cape for Brian Bayo. This dude's a stud. He, he's, he's, he's a guy you that... If you look at all the other pitchers that the Red Sox have needed innings out of, he's been the most reliable, and he's the the least experienced out of all those guys. So I've been really impressed. And when we had a caller, Glenn, just what Mike is referencing uh, from yesterday, we had a a caller, Glenn, that said, I don't see him as – being more than a three, or I don't know, he's I don't even know if he even like gave him the. I think that was about the call, and I sort of got where he was coming from. You want to see that top of the line strikeout sort of stuff, and tonight he gave you all of it. Ten Ks if he's going to do stuff like that, and you think about his age, you got to love the demeanor, you love his ability to just kind of know how to pitch. But once he starts striking people out like this. That's when we can start having those front of the uh, rotation conversations. It's the next part of his development. He's a ground ball pitcher, right? So, and that has buoyed him to a lot of success this year. It's just last ten starts, he's he's been hit a little bit harder, and 
it's cool in an outing like this to see him rebound when it's so late into the season when he's near he's at nearly 150 innings he's up to 148 now after this start against a desperate team on the road against a desperate right that's a great point against a desperate team on the road in the blue jays i actually want to talk about them as we uh as we expound upon the the greater conversation about being a contender in major league baseball uh and if again if you want to get your calls in 617-779-7937 because this blue jays team they, they have so much talent Yet, it feels like the last couple of years, they just haven't been able to completely put it together. I know Lou was talking about that on the broadcast. I couldn't agree more with him uh, about you know wh- where this team is and just like the, the bizarreness of the fact that they are not better than they are. I, I, Talent-wise, it's there with their starting pitching and, and all the, 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 the talented hitters that they have. In their in their on their roster in the lineup, like Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that that and especially Vladdy Jr., that just hasn't had overall the season that you'd expect out of him but of course he has the big hit tonight the three-run home run in the third inning let's go to the phones for the first time tonight let's go to john in rhode island to kick things off john you're on red Sox review hi good evening uh listen i just wanted to call um uh disappointed again tonight uh that there's no offense and the only thing that really really upsets me is these the, the, the announcers that Brown knows? Because I'm listening to to Nesson, and they're saying, "Oh, Barrios, he he was brilliant in the game tonight. He was absolutely brilliant. His last three games, he's given up four runs." Well, I, I that that he's only a 500 pitcher. So I looked. The last three teams he faced was Oakland, uh, Kansas City, and and the Red Sox. Three duds. So. He gave up four runs, none tonight. So, I mean, that's why. But, I mean, I wouldn't say he was brilliant. You know, I, my question is, is it that they're that good or it's who they're pitching to? Yeah, and, and John, I appreciate the call. If you want to grab his line, 617-779-7937. I think he was great tonight. I mean, he, he was dealing the entire night. The, the thing about this Red Sox offense is, and as we've seen this entire year, they're streaky. Now, overall, their numbers are better than you'd expect when y- you watch offensive performances like tonight where they have just five hits. They didn't have Tristan Casas in the lineup, and-, and in the second half, he's been the best hitter on this Red Sox team, which is amazing to say in some ways because he's a rookie, right? But he's been that good for the Red Sox in the second half. But this offense this season, I- I've hit on this throughout the year, because I think it's important to highlight it because they have been the the part of this team that has allowed them to be above 500 at times this year. They came into tonight eighth in runs scored, third in average, seventh in on-base percentage, and sixth in slugging percentage, seventh in OPS. So they're a top-10 offensive team. They don't hit a ton of home runs, but they hit a lot of doubles. They're 15th in home runs coming into tonight and first in doubles in the sport. Now, Barrios, if we had this conversation last year, I, I I would really be killing the Red Sox right now because last year he was 
among the worst pitchers in the sport. And this is a guy that had a lot of success before he got traded over to the Toronto Blue Jays at the deadline in 2021. But last year, he had he had an ERA north of five. He had a, a 5.23 ERA. He gave up 199 hits, which led the American League. He gave up the most earned runs in the league as well. He had 100 earned runs last year. Uh, gave up a ton of home runs. Uh, the strikeout stuff was down compared to this year. So... Uh, it was mentioned there that the record 10 and 10, 3.63 ERA. Uh, he's been a much better pitcher this year. And sometimes you run into a good pitcher on a night where they're just dealing. And, you know, I, again, I think it, it might be a combination of both tonight. The fact that he was good, but on top of that, this Red Sox offense can be pretty streaky. And we've seen that this year when they're on, they, they can put up some, some big numbers and really wear down some very quality starting pitchers. That's something we have seen from this team this season. The fact that they've played some really are, are, are gone against some really good pitchers, guys that are Cy Young contenders and actually hit pretty well against them. Justin Steele, uh, Blake Snell in the National League. They they got to Nate Evaldi when he was a uh, a contender at, at an earlier point for the American League. Cy Young. I, I thought they did pretty well against Spencer Strider uh, in a start that he had against the Red Sox in July. So I think tonight was a combination of both. It doesn't make it any uh, any less frustrating, especially when you're just trying to salvage the end of the season and you know see see an upswing at least before the end of the year with just 14 games left. Frustrating night overall. And again, you you waste. A, uh, a great Brian Bayo start as well. Uh, the calls are rolling in 617-779-7937. Wally and Glenn, we're going to get to you in a moment. We will go to a break first. We'll get to you on the other side and talk more about tonight's game and also some more news that came out about Heimblum uh, and when he was relieved of his duties yesterday, some of the stuff that went into that. We'll dissect all of that. But first, let's go to Mike Tazi, who has what's trending here on WEI. <laughs> Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Brian Bayo struck out a career-high 10 batters tonight. However, the Red Sox offense was just not able to give him proper run support. They were shut out by the Blue Jays 3-0 at Rogers Center in Toronto. Jose Barrio struck out eight and seven scoreless innings. And then it was Jordan Hicks and Jordan Romano shut the door in the eighth and ninth for the Jays. Blue Jays currently sit just a half game behind Texas, or it's about to be, as Texas is trailing Cleveland 12-0 in the top of the ninth, and they trail Seattle by just one game in the wild card standings. It'll be Chris Sale for the Sox tomorrow, opposite Chris Bassett for the Jays. First pitch, 307 on the Shaws and Star Market, WEEI Red Sox Radio Network. Other scores around the division. Rays beat the Orioles 7-1 at Camden Yards and are now tied with Baltimore for first place in the AL East. The Yankees, well... Uh, last time I checked, they had scored four runs in the ninth to beat the Pirates in Pittsburgh. I'm Mike Tazi, and that's what's trending on WEEI and WEEI.com. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. One and two to Matt Chapman. Pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him a career high in strikeouts for Brian Bayo. Ryan Bayo with a career-high 10 strikeouts tonight, and that last one was the highlight from tonight's 
Nissan Red Sox postgame show. You deserve a car that thrills you, and Nissan's got an exciting full lineup that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill for yourself today. Shop your local Nissan store and NissanUSA.com. Joe Wild with you here in the WEI studios here on Red Sox Review. We're going to take you up to 11 p.m. If you want to get your calls in, 617-779-7937. The Red Sox fall again, and they fall to the Toronto Blue Jays, a desperate Blue Jays team trying to make the playoffs and it was a three nothing victory for Toronto the Red Sox with just five hits they waste a, a very solid start from Brian Bayo and the Sox now two and eight in their last 10 games and they just continue to fall off since they were at a high point right before the deadline and since the trade deadline they're 18 and 24 they've also lost 13 of their last 18 games and then on top of that they're 74 and 74 overall in last place in the American League East with the Yankees winning tonight in comeback fashion against the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're going to talk more about Bloom and the news yesterday and some of the news that came out today as it pertained to the Red Sox decision and some of the factors that went into it uh, in terms of why they let go of Bloom. But before we do that, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Wale at Fall River. Wale, you're on Red Sox Review. What's up, Joe? I was watching a little bit of SmackDown before I switched to the Red Sox. I love that. I always uh, love when you tell me that. Yeah, The Rock was on. Uh, the Rock was on. Everybody went, everybody went crazy during, uh, I think they were in Colorado, but everybody went crazy. He was on for about 20 minutes, and he put on a good show. But as far as the Red Sox, Hein Bloom, uh, he just rode off into the sunset. Uh, I'm sure he'll make out all right, get another job in baseball. But whoever takes over, Joe, is going to have a lot of work to do with this team. Uh, this was a brutal season. I mean, we see what happened at the deadline. We're half a uh, game and a half out, and then uh, he didn't do nothing at the deadline. He said we're underdogs. He had no faith in this team. Everybody was expecting him to do something. We were in that bad of shape. But uh, you got a lot of holes to fill. Uh, you need a second baseman, maybe be Rafaela. I just uh, they don't. I hope they don't bounce him around between the outfield and the infield. Just put him at second, and you know, just groom him there. You need a right-handed power hitter. Uh, they're going to have to open their wallets for pitching, which is probably going to kill them. But uh, you, you have to go out and get two starters. You can't, you know, just depend on uh, Bayo and everybody else. Uh, but it's going to be interesting offseason. I think Carl's still be here. But uh, like I said, whoever takes this GM job has got a, a lot of holes to fix. Yeah, Wally, I, I agree with you there. And as always, appreciate the call. I also appreciate when he gives us a SmackDown update as well. Wally from Fall River, he is one of the stars of Red Sox Review night in and night out. Tr- truly a gem. He's truly a gem. I I, I love Wally. Takes are pretty much spot on every time. And and I, so I want to expound upon some of the stuff you said there. So uh, as for the person who will replace Bloom, and I do agree with him that Bloom will will make out of this okay. And I, and I said this yesterday, his legacy is not fully written with what he's done with the Red Sox because of the talent in the pipeline. Kyle Teal's doing great work in double A, by the way, with the Portland Sea Dogs. I know that might not mean anything to you right now, but it could in a year or two when this guy makes his way to the major leagues. Same goes from Roman Anthony, Marcelo Meyer, and some of the other talented prospects that the Red Sox have. All that being said, I do agree with him. There is still a lot of work to be done with this roster, especially the way that the team is trending right now to just finish out the season. And the rotation, to me, along with defense, those are really the two uh, front-of-mind 
things that whomever takes over has to tackle. And that's why I would love to see the Red Sox go after Yamamoto, the, the top pitching uh, top pitcher, I think, on the market. Uh, if you don't count Shohei Otani, who if you did sign him, he wouldn't be a pitcher right away for you with the injury he, he's, he's dealing with right now. Uh, I, I, I also would, would, it would be cool to see them go after like an Aaron Nola or a Blake Snell. Some of the, those are two um, unrestricted free agents that are, that are out there coming up in the off season. They have to make a splash, right? They're, they were under the luxury tax this year. They have to make a splash on the starting pitching side of things. And, what I, as somebody who loves a lot of the new school stuff in baseball, I, I'm evolving like everybody else is. I love the the stats. I love eggs of eggs of velocity, launch angle, all those things. One thing that does warm my old school heart, in a sense, is looking at starting pitching across Major League Baseball and the fact that if you look at the teams that are leading Major League Baseball, the top of innings pitched among starting pitchers. They're all contenders. So it it goes like this. Here's one through ten. Uh, and there's only one team that really is is a misfit, although the next team after that is the Atlanta Braves. So they're the Braves are eleventh. One through ten, though. Houston, Minnesota, Seattle, Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, Texas, Baltimore, Cleveland's the one that's out of place. And then the Cubs, they're the tenth team, followed by the Atlanta Braves. That's not to say you can't win, though. If you go the other way, just going toward the bottom of this category, the the teams that stand out in in the bottom 10 are the Dodgers and Rays. But you need a lot of arms to make it happen. It's not as if it's not possible, but if you look at the bottom teams in Major League Baseball compared to the top, it's just a little bit of it. there's There's a contrast in how many of the teams at the bottom are playoff contenders compared to where it is at the top. It's not to say it can't be done, and obviously I think openers are... A totally acceptable thing to do when it necessitates. I think the problem with the Red Sox this year is that they were going with an opener for too long, and this bullpen had just was was bearing the brunt of a lack of innings from the starting rotation pretty much the entire season. This team, when it gets five innings, is is way way better than when that's not the case. Now that seems like an obvious point, but the problem is the Red Sox are, are toward the bottom of the league in actually getting five innings out of their starting pitchers. And that's why when you see Brian Bayo get the start as he did tonight, it's awesome to see because he's a guy that you know you're going to get more times than not at least five innings out of him, and you got six tonight. And unfortunately, the one blemish is a three-run home run to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and the Red Sox offense doesn't help him out at, at all. It is crazy to think about how the Rays and Dodgers are defying the baseball gods, and they've and they've been forced to because of so many injuries. That's not usually the norm, but I guess if two programs were to do it, it would be Rays and Dodgers, right? And and those are two very enviable franchises in the way they've run and how they've how successful they in there they are year in and year out. But I still find it interesting that when you look at oh, who are the teams that lead Major League Baseball in starting pitching, they're all. Again, outside of Cleveland in that top ten, they're all teams that are that are in the playoff hunt, firmly in the playoff hunt, or they've pretty much secured a playoff spot. Again, if you want to get your calls in, 617-779-7937. I would like to see Sidon Rafaela at second base to start next year. I think that's an open spot for the Red Sox, just going off what Wally talked about. But yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. At the same time, there is a foundation, which is what Heim Bloom was hired to do, and I respect that part of the job that he did because I do think there is a lot to be said about what the Red Sox have right now. They are a team with a lot of young talent that will hopefully improve 
And then on top of that, you have a payroll that doesn't have a lot of bad contracts. In fact, you just have, in my mind, really, it's just that Chris Sale one that you have for another year. Outside of that, you're doing okay. You've dipped under the luxury tax. Now you can jump over it next year. But you have to do it to get this team back to being a playoff contender. It sounds like they haven't settled on an exact philosophy they want in their next guy. They want them to be understanding of the modern game and a lot of different things, but do you think they go more towards like a Dombrowski type of executive rather than after this experiment? I think so because that's what they've done. They've, they've flip-flopped in philosophy, and, you know, I think you have to in some way, right, when you look at the last 20 years, there's something to be said about the success, maybe not sustained, but the Red Sox have won four, four World Series, right, in, in since 2004. And they have let go of, of, of general managers in a sense that is at a rate that doesn't, uh, doesn't compare to other teams. It's been, it's been long or been shorter. They have shorter tenures than, than maybe other places. But at the same time, this is still a successful franchise going through a tough stretch right now. And I think they're going to go after somebody that will be more aggressive than Heim Bloom. And I, and I, I really want to touch on uh, Chris Cotillo's piece from Mass Live who, who hit on some of this stuff where the Red Sox internally seemed to be frustrated by the fact that the Red, the Red Sox under Heim Bloom just weren't as aggressive as they could have been at times. But we still have some callers waiting. Let's go to Glenn in New Orleans. We were talking about Glenn a little bit earlier. Glenn, great to have you back on the show. How you doing? Hey, well, I'm doing good, Jill. Glad to hear uh, I'm being talked about, hopefully in a good light. Well, we always hey, uh, we appreciate you chiming in, as always. We were talking about Brian Bayo yesterday. Mike Tazi actually brought you up. But uh, you, you always come at us with, a, with, with, some, uh, with some good takes, a, a different point, uh, perspective. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what you have tonight. Well, okay, and I'm going to lead off uh, perspective. Uh, I was born in 55, so I grew up in the 60s and into the 70s. My idea of starting pitching and starting pitching standards was set then when I was a kid. So I know today six innings, three earned runs is a quality start, and y'all are raving about it. Uh, A strong outing, you said, for Bayo tonight. That's a 4-5-0 ERA. Where I come from, that was the number four guy in the rotation, a four five zero ERA. So, perspective. I'm hard on pitchers, and I guess it's because of when I came up. But I heard Euclid tonight and Ob talking, and Ob said for next year they need two elite starting pitchers. And Bayo will be three, and Euclid jumped in with, "Oh no, Bayo can be a number two next year." No, he can't. Toronto, when they started this season, had Manoa one, Gosman two, Barrios three, and Chris Bassett four. Bassett won fifteen games with the Mets last year. I think he's got fourteen wins this year. He was available the last two years. Did the Red Sox pursue him? Yeah, he's a guy. Listen, Glenn, uh, I I I think that's a valid criticism of why not go after a guy like that because he he has been productive. I I, I do want to push back though, and uh, we're going to keep you on the line because this is a very interesting conversation. The, the one thing that's working in Brian Bayo's favor 
is his age, right? So this is really his first full season in the big leagues, and he's put together a pretty good year. I would still argue, yes, you're right, three earned runs and six innings of work, that equates to a 4.50 ERA. But I think if you just dilute it to that, you're taking out the context of the fact that he struck out 10 batters, and he's toward the end of the season here, again, in his first full major league season, and he's still striking out 10, 10 batters against an offense that, uh, as I was hitting on a little bit earlier, th- this Blue Jays team is, is confounding to me in the fact that they are not better. It's still a pretty solid offense. So you mentioned Chris Bassett. At age 24, Chris Bassett wasn't even in the big leagues. And here Brian Bayo is as a 24-year-old doing what he's done. Uh, Jose Barrios was a guy that I that I know made it earlier than Bassett and, and kind of established himself before Chris Bassett. So he might be uh, a better comp in this situation because he was actually pretty good. He was an all-star at 24 in 2018. But with, with, with the higher upside that you have with the guy in Bayo. I do believe he could be a guy next year that could be a two. We'll wait and see, but I think the fact that you have somebody that is that is probably at the very worst a three in a in a good rotation, I think that's that's a solid building block to have. Well, uh, I'll go ahead and give you that he is young, and hopefully he continues to improve. But what lingers in the back of my mind today with all of these players is Tommy John. It's, it's always a concern, right? It's always a concern. And uh, I, listen, to your point about starting pitching, you know, I, I, I'm 30 years old. I, I sometimes hearken back to my childhood when, when you did have guys go deep into games and that was the expectation out of them. But I, the part you have to come around to, and I and I understand for fans out there, this part of baseball not loving, it's just more so the reality that this is a max effort game now on pitch by pitch, which is why starters are uh, to this point, you know, they, they don't they don't go as many innings as they once used to. The the horses that would give you two hundred plus innings, they're more rare nowadays than than ever before. But that's just the game, Glenn. I appreciate the call as always. We're gonna let you go here, but uh, awesome stuff from. It's always good to hear from Glenn from uh, New Orleans coming in from a different perspective as he brought. Let's go back to the phones again. Let's go to Griffin in Boston. Griffin, you're on Red Sox Review. Hey, Joe. Yeah, uh, just about this Heimblum uh, firing. I want to know uh, why you think Alex Cora is getting a free pass and in, in what's going on this season. I think this is a good roster. We have a, a top 10 offense in pretty much every category. I think the bullpen's been good. Um, you know, you mentioned I think the biggest problem has been the defense. Not capitalizing on winning streaks also, you know, getting blown out by Toronto in big series. Um, I was at opening day, and I just felt like this team hasn't been prepared. Uh, for for a lot of this, a lot a lot of big games this year. Um, hey, this Chris Cattillo story. I think people are acting like every trade is going to be a good trade. Keep in mind, you know, trades can make your team worse, just like they can make your team better. But at the end of the day, Corey's getting a free pass, and I want I, I want to hear your thoughts about why. And uh, I'll I'll hang up. Griffin, I appreciate the call. I I, I believe that. The reason he's staying on, and I've said this, I've been consistent with this. I believe Alex Cora is a, one of the best managers in this sport. And I think the Red Sox ownership would agree with that sentiment. That's why they've kept him on. I think if you're going to criticize Alex Cora in any way, I, I think there is some thought out there, just in my mind, about the defense and, and wondering, 
and this is a very abstract thought, and to me, this is the best I can do in terms of like a deep criticism of what Alex Cora, uh, you know, has done this year. It's it is about maybe there's something to be said about a different way of preparing defensively with this team with how bad they've been, but at the same time, it's like you're relying on Kike Hernandez to be your shortstop, and and you knew that wasn't going to work out. Adam Duvall being 34 years old to start the season and be your center fielder, that was problematic. And, and Manuel Valdez, a guy that played some second base, we knew his profile was he was bad defensively, and, and yeah, he hasn't played a whole, a whole lot this year, but just trying to make another point about a, a defensive-type player, uh, Masataki Yoshida in left field, below average. You You could just see that with your eyes. I was surprised by Tristan Costas' defense through the first three months of the season and how below average it was because I, I think the reports that we got was that it would be closer to average. So that's been surprising. And then Rafi Devers, I mean, at the beginning of the season, first month of the year, he was statistically a slightly above average defender. Since then, he has been well below average. And to me, that's one of the big disappointments of the season. But just to that point, when it comes to Alex Cora, like I... I just I look at the roster and uh, you looked at the holes coming into the season, starting pitching, defense, and that has bore itself out. So I I felt like he was managing above this team's talent level throughout the majority of this season. Now I don't want to see this team go into a tailspin and finish well below 500, but I feel like for the most part this this season he's been a guy that has really managed above what this the the talent level of this team is, which coming into the season. A lot of sports books had him. I think it was like a seventy-eight and a half half wins, right, Mike? One hundred percent. I mean, they've really uh, overachieved in a lot of ways, and because they overachieved, it's got people hyped up, even willing to call for Cora. And I am a bit of a Cora apologist, but I just felt always felt like him and Bloom, even though Cora had very nice things to say about Bloom last night or yesterday. I just never felt like they were on the same wavelength. And and when you looked at the problems before the seasons, oh, they're going to score runs, but defense and pitching, where's that going to come from? So that'll make any manager look sort of unprepared when teams are making errors. Yeah, and and yeah, it, it seemed as though in in his comments uh, after the it was announced that Heimblum was being let go, Alex Cora, yeah, he kind of made a mention of. You know, a, a little bit about the, the decision and and what went into it, and he had a, a pretty interesting quote as it pertained to the Red Sox decision to let go of Bloom and uh, you know the fact that uh, somebody was asked, somebody asked him basically, uh, you know, about did he get enough time to to fully fulfill his, the execution of his plan? I think that's a question, a fair question to ask. But, uh, you know, Alex Cora just saying that's not really for me to judge if, uh, you know, if it was disappointing to see Bloom finish out the season. Right now we're in fourth place. This was his quote. It's a tough business. They make decisions with the front office and they do it with managers, too. At the end of the day, I've said it before. I keep saying it again. It's not something against somebody or whatever. You're judged by winning. That's it. That's the bottom line. And, you know, we, we saw the subtle... Uh, dig at at Bloom with the underdog T-shirt that Alex Cora was rocking after the underdog comment by Bloom. Uh, I mentioned this already. This this article that that Chris Cotillo put out today, which I thought was phenomenal. Uh, Chris Cotillo of Mass Live writing about the Bloom situation, and uh, y- you know y- he got some different perspectives uh, about the ultimate deciding by the Red Sox to make this decision, and uh, some of the things that went into it, and. I thought one part of it that was super interesting that that Chris brought up 
was about some big time signings that the Red Sox have made. So uh, there's a this is what Chris writes. I'm going to read it for you. I know it's not great for radio, but it was really well written. I want to make sure I have it word for word. Chris writes, there's a perception throughout baseball that Bloom has to win every move leading to analysis paralysis. Case in point, multiple sources with knowledge of Bloom's thinking have noted that he had privately obsessed over his two major free agent expenditures, Story and Yoshida, in each of the last two seasons, consistently wondering if he made the right bo- uh, right moves. It's clear that those expenditures Expenditures of 140 million, that was for Story, and uh, 90 million for Yoshida, respectively, made Bloom uncomfortable. And I think that's a big part of the picture of why this ownership group decided, you know what, if we're going to make a jump in free agency next year, this might not be the guy that is going to execute this part of the plan because of that hesitancy to really go for it at times and that was a perception around baseball that he had to win a trade and 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 chris alludes to this in his story that people around major league baseball were frustrated by the trade talks with heimblum at certain times and the proof is in the pudding with that in terms of what we've seen over the last couple trade deadlines and what the red Sox have and have not been able to do you have to give him credit because I think Will Abreu could be a player here for the Red Sox. And uh, he had a double tonight in this game. He's done really well since being called up. So uh, he ends up going one for three today. He's now 19 for 52 here at the big league level after some great work in AAA. And, of course, he was uh, a guy that the Red Sox got back in the Christian Vasquez deal that sent Christian Vasquez out to Houston. Uh, but that being said, they didn't get rid of certain guys. They they really had a tailspin at, after the trade deadline last year. And this year, I think it was even more frustrating because they were playing good baseball going into the deadline. You had public uh, public comments from Kenley Jansen, Rafi Devers saying, hey, we need more help. Devers saying we need a pitcher, which was obvious. They don't get that. They stand pat. And it, it ends up, I, I think that, re- I really do think this last month and a half is what, in the end, cost Bloom the ability to keep his job. I'm in agreement. I've never really been a Bloom guy until this year. I started to, ironically enough, this year started to see what he was doing. But when they had some bit of momentum, I thought they needed to just make even a few moves for some pitching just to show, okay, we believe, let's be all in, do something somewhat safe. But, you know, Savale would have been a nice move. I guess uh, the Rays did give up Manzardo, who's ranked pretty highly in the top 100 prospects. So uh, I know he doesn't like giving up those guys. Very curious to see where Bloom ends up. I think he could be good pound for pound for like a smaller market organization where he's not expected to make big signings. Yeah, I it'll be interesting like like where he will land next. And and this was a you know what's interesting too for Heim Bloom. This was really it was a public facing job in a way that you of course don't have in Tampa Bay. And I do think there's an argument obviously that he wasn't fit for this market. I, oh I, yeah. You know, in terms of some of the comments he made and, and, and by all accounts, he's been an awesome person and, and everybody that, that knew him has really liked him. And uh, you can see that in the way he talks and the way he cares and what you're hearing from minor league players and even major league players that got to know him pretty well. But it, there is that indecisiveness for him that has has shown itself over the last couple of years 2022 ended up being a huge killer for him i think in terms of perception in this town after that run to the alcs in 2021 just gave off real careful vibes you know just being very careful where i think the red sox are most dangerous when they make that swoop in in the middle of the night and grab that star whether it's through trade or free agency in the offseason i'm definitely expecting they take multiple swings this offseason i mentioned there was another report too that was very interesting that came out today it was from alex spear of the globe 
He mentioned that uh, this trade deadline, the Sox were deep in talks with the Marlins on a deal that would have sent Justin Turner to Miami for Edward Cabrera, a 25-year-old right-handed starter. He's got this really good fastball. The problem with Cabrera is he just can't locate his pitches. Like His, his control numbers are, are really scary for a guy you'd want to get back. And if you deal Turner, you, you'd have to think about uh, – You'd have to think about what that would do for the clubhouse in, in, in moving forward for a team that, again, is having public outcries of, hey, we can add to this team because we feel like we could be uh, a playoff caliber team down the stretch. And then on top of that, they had a couple deals on the table for Paxton, uh, as as Alex reports here. But there were people in the industry that thought the Red Sox made a mistake by keeping those guys, too. So it's like this duality. Yeah. And, and it, again, it's an interesting spot for, for this organization because – in the end, they just stand pat. I, I think people would have been uh, excited one way or the other by either getting some really good prospects back, young players like a Cabrera, even though, again, the, the walk rate is scary. Yeah, front-line front stuff, but or, will he ever figure or out getting, that control? Yeah, and getting somebody back for Paxton or moving forward and going, you know what, hey, let, let's build on this team that could make the playoffs, and then we'll see what this takes us into next year. In the, in the end, they just stand pat. They get Luis Arias, uh, and, 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 you know, he's, he's been fine. Yeah, and, it felt like they needed to do one thing or the other, and they didn't either. And honestly, you know, not too far south, the Yankees, very, very similar boat. They both feel like sleeping giants, the Red Sox and Yankees, with one good offseason – well, maybe the Yankees are a little bit further away, but yeah, I th- and I th- that's that's where I was going to go with that too. The Red Sox, in my mind, are in a much better spot than the Yankees because they have Stanton through twenty twenty seven, which the way he was moving at Fenway Park, an absolute step that's going to hurt them down the line. And then we'll see with this Rodon contract that's been a disaster. That's the that's the that's the one silver lining here for the Red Sox is that everything looks rosy for the future but you have to add on it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox do let's hit a break here we'll come back with final thoughts again the final tonight from Toronto Blue Jays three Red Sox nothing we'll wrap things up on Red Sox review right after this here on WEI we're back to Red Sox review on WEI Mike Tazi with the great music selection saw my Sopranos shirt uh, as I walked into the WEI studios. T- Mike's actually wearing a Rutgers shirt as well. You have two Jersey guys yeah. uh, with you here on Red Sox Review. Thanks for joining us. If you want to call in, 617-779-7937. Really enjoyed going to the restaurant in the final scene of the Sopranos. It's in... Uh, it's in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Got myself a Sunday. We, we we got the onion rings as well. Oh wow! Uh, had to had to completely uh, do it out, uh, all Sopranos style. But Red Sox fall tonight, three to nothing against the Toronto Blue Jays. So the Sox are now seventy four and seventy four overall, and with the loss, they are now in last place in the American League East. So it might not matter to you at all. I, you know, I, I go back and forth, and if it really does matter. For the Red Sox because they weren't making the playoffs anyway if they were in fourth place. But for bookkeeping purposes, if the Red Sox continue to play the way that they have as of late, which is having lost eight of their last 10 games and 13 of their last 18, they will be in last place, finish in last place in the American League East for the third time in four years. Coming off the heels of the announcement yesterday that the Red Sox have parted ways with Heim Bloom, you, you can understand where the Red Sox ownership is coming at at this point, despite, again, there being 
some uh, players that the Red Sox currently have that you could look forward to for years to come. But this is a roster that still needs some work if it gets to a point uh, where they are a playoff contender. You know, one thing I, I was thinking about coming into this game is who the Red Sox are playing throughout this three-game set. And, of course, that's the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the Blue Jays, you think about a couple years ago, and, and, and with all the, the talent from their farm system matriculating their way to the major leagues and thinking about, okay, man, this Blue Jays team, they could own the division for the, the foreseeable future with guys like Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette, and, of course, really the, the biggest name, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that hasn't happened, right? This is a, a Blue Jays organization that, that has really not gotten over the hump at all. I would have figured over the last three years, at least one of these seasons, that they would have won this division, and that's not the case at all, right? They, they snuck into the playoffs in 2020 as an eight seed because Major League Baseball expanded the playoffs with it being that shortened COVID season. And then 2021, they just miss out on the wild card. That was a weird season for them. I, I think you do have to point out the fact that for a long time, they weren't playing home games. They were playing in Buffalo. And that's certainly a tough hurdle uh, for them to overcome. But then last year, uh, they, they make the playoffs, but they lose very quickly in the wild card series to the Seattle Mariners. So kind of a historical choke too, and that one great game. And then this year, Mike, right? They're they're still on the outside looking in, even with this win. We'll see what the Mariners end up doing tonight against the Dodgers. But right now, the Blue Jays are still a game out of the third wild card spot after losing four consecutive games to the Texas Rangers, who really over the last month and a half have not been playing great baseball. So the point being, it, it sometimes gets lost in us how hard it is to build a playoff caliber team. And that's why it's never a guarantee. And I think that also goes into part of the decision that the Red Sox ended up making parting ways with Heim Bloom. There, there have been a lot of promises. The fact that, okay, the, the, there is the, the future is bright. I do agree with that, but there are some win now moves you ultimately have to make. And I thought it was fair to question if Heim Bloom is the guy that's going to take you to that next level to spend, to get free agents, meet them at the price that they are willing to sign at when at many times we've seen some tentativeness with Heim Bloom. And, and again, the, the report from Chris Cotillo I thought was so fascinating, the fact that he, he had been thinking a lot about the, the, the biggest signings that he made by getting Trevor Story for $140 million and Masataki Yoshida at ninety. And then with Trevor Story specifically, I, I think if you were the one that makes that decision, you are questioning out it, of right? all the people to go after. Yeah, it just didn't really seem like the guy to actually give that money to. But I guess, you know, it's still the beginning of that contract. He didn't get a full season this year. I and I still have hope that he can be a good player because of what he brings offensively. I thought offensively I you know, offensively I wasn't expecting a lot because the Red Sox needed him back to stabilize that shortstop spot. And you think about all the time he's missed to get your timing back and all that. I think what is hard to stomach is that last year before he you know, he, he had a couple IL stints and he he had a nice stretch in May of last year where he started to turn it on and I thought what was fun about the Trevor Story experience on top of the defense was in twenty twenty two he had some momentum changing swings because of his power. But we haven't really seen that this year. And it remains to be seen how it ends up turning out because if he continues to produce like this offensively next year, or even if it's like slightly better, that's not good enough for the guy that is 
at least for the time being, replacing Xander Bogarts, the guy that was beloved here. Yes, we know how bad that contract is for Xander. We also know that it was sort of a butterfly effect type thing because the Red Sox didn't meet him at his price. So it's interesting to see how it all turns out. But, but Mike, I look at this Blue Jays team, I think it's a good lesson of like nothing is guaranteed because despite what seemed like the envy of baseball with all these, uh, the sons of former big league players that you thought huge names, right. That you thought would be, you know, the stars of this team moving forward. They add Matt Chapman. They, they have a enviable rotation too. And yet they're still outside the, you know, the, the playoff race, as of this current juncture so late into the season. That's where it makes no sense. I mean, Chapman, I think he did come off hip surgery when they got him, so I was a little like, well, he might be a little bit more of a watered-down version of Matt Chapman, and that's sort of what he's been. But rotation-wise, I mean, Gausman, Burrios, that's pretty formidable. And then they made a conscious effort to get bullpen guys, get Varsho for defense, and I think the pitching and bullpen numbers are good, like Lou was mentioning on the broadcast tonight, and yet they're still you know, chasing in the wild card. Zero playoff wins in this regime, including Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We'll see if they even make the playoffs this year. Uh, but but when you look at the top GMs really across the sport, what you do appreciate is the decisiveness that they have to make specific decisions. I One thing I really uh, admired about Heinblum was he stuck to his guns, and especially this last trade deadline, that if he felt like there wasn't a move that would really make this club significantly better – in terms of giving up too much value, that was his own personal belief, even if you disagree with that. He stuck to his guns, feeling like, I'm still doing best for the organization. We can have a conversation about if it really was, but I do at least credit him for uh, believing in what he believed in, believing, okay, I want what's best for the organization above of w- just keeping my job, which you do see. Look at the Angels and what they were trying to do, keeping Shohei Otani what Oof. a disaster that's turned into. We've seen that all across the sport, too. I mean, yeah. we see it across all sports. GMs put themselves above the organization. Heimblum never did that. It might end up really benefiting the Red Sox in the long term. Yeah, would you say the opposite of Heimblum was, is A.J. Preller, who's just like always making big-time deals for good or for ill, big names going out the door, coming in. He's always in the mix. Where Heimblum, like, you know what you're getting. It's just... It never seemed bold enough to really take that big swing, and it became a little too predictable. And who takes over that spot? What does this Red Sox team look like in 2024? All question marks at this point. What we do know for sure, the Red Sox are at 500 right now, 74 in 74. 14 games left. I'm still excited about the young talent like Sedan Rafaela and Wilger Abreu. Both of them had hits tonight. They've been very good since being called up to the Red Sox. I want to see the rest of Tristan Casas' season. Brian Bayo, I've loved what I've seen out of this young man this season. He deserved better uh, with no runs from the offense tonight, but he had a career-high 10 strikeouts. He's taken a huge leap forward, and uh, I want to see this Red Sox team finish above 500. It might not matter big picture, because regardless, they're missing the playoffs, but they're better than this team, I think, that has lost eight of their last 10, that has fallen back to five days. First pitch in that game coming up at 3.07. The Mass Mutual Red Sox pregame show starts up at 2.07. Chris Sale on the bump for the Sox opposite of Chris Bassett. want to thank Mike Tazi. Awesome work behind the glass as always. And thank you to everybody listening here on Red Sox Review. I'm Joel Weil signing off, giving you the final one final time. Red Sox fall 3 to nothing against the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. Back with more Red Sox baseball tomorrow here on WEI.